Welcome to the CX Huddle Podcast. I am Dolores Cooper here with my co-host Daniel Schultz. And today we are jumping into the CX Careers Podcast series. And throughout this series, we'll bring on folks from different companies to speak about their roles, their backstory, and how they're navigating the tech world. The idea is to expose all of you listeners to career paths that you may be considering and some that you maybe never even heard of before. And today's guest is a great friend of mine, Amanda Yu. Okay, so I'll start things off. So Amanda, like what is like your current job title and like uh, like how long have you been in your role? So I have been in my role for two and a half years. I am a senior trainer at a SaaS company. Uh, what was your previous experience like in tech? Like, have you always been like, have you always had like your current role or like what, like what's your experience been prior to this? Yeah, uh, to give you my quick elevator pitch of my career, my, my resume in two words or less, uh, I started off my tech career at the same company that I am at now. I've been here for four years, um, started off as a member of our support squad where I would work with customers to troubleshoot any issues that they were running into with the software. Um, quickly identified during my time in support that there were a few areas that I was looking to grow in. Uh, one of those areas was I really wanted to get over my fear of public speaking. And who knew that as a trainer, you do nothing but speak publicly in front of large groups of people. (laughs) So that's kind of uh, how I found myself in education where I've been now for two and a half years. uh, And I I have definitely gotten over that fear of public speaking in that time. Do you think it took you like a long time to get over that fear or did, did like it just come overnight? Yeah, I like to fly by the seat of my pants a bit. And so I kind of made my way onto the team, was definitely nervous the first few go arounds. But um, once you get up in front of a room, when you can learn how to command a room, I firmly believe that you can do any job in the world. So that's what I actively work to to achieve. Learn how to command a room is what I've tried to achieve over the past two and a half years. So... um... I personally suck at public speaking or so I think. Um, So it's really interesting that you um, went from support to your current role. Um, As someone who's looking to, you know, get better at that, what's one tip that you can give me um, to prepare for, for public speaking and commanding a room? Yeah, I would say that what I learned is to walk into a situation when you have to lead a classroom, walk in there with blind confidence. Um, I definitely believe in doing power poses before you uh, walk up on stage. Are you, are either of you familiar with power poses and what those are? Um, Only from Grey's Anatomy, which is super awkward, but... Tell, no, tell they the do listener. power poses. In, in do. So for those of you who haven't watched Grey's Anatomy or those of you who uh, don't have a background in education or facilitation, power poses, and I realize that this won't be captured uh, in the audio, yeah, but, gonna, like, is it, but if is we it... can all visualize what a power pose is, put on your, your biggest superwoman face with your hands on at your sides and um, believe Love that it. you can command the room. Now, typically when I do this in a uh, live environment, so pre-COVID, a lot of this takes place behind the curtains, but yeah, in the, in the few minutes before you get up on stage, do your power pose and believe that you can own it. That's great. Never, nobody saw that we were just doing some power poses by the way, which is also funny, but like, I had never actually thought about that. So that's like wonderful. Like I'm definitely going to try to do that now. I do that before big meetings that I have. Um, also just something to give myself that, that blind, that little extra, uh, dose of blind confidence that I need. So if I ever see you in a hallway and I see you doing that, I'm just going to mind my business and know that you're about to go like command a room. 
basically. Correct. A hundred percent. Got it. Love it. <laughs> I've definitely done power poses before interviews and they do work. Um, so highly recommend for sure. And you look cool yeah. doing it. Yeah, definitely. Another, uh, pro trainer tip is uh, typically we, uh, something that a mentor had previously shared with me was doing breathing exercises before getting up on stage. Uh, You do a, what's called a four, five, six, where you inhale for four counts, hold your breath for five counts, and then exhale for six counts. And you do it um, three or four times. And it normally brings a calming presence and gets rid of some of those pre-presentation jitters that you might have. Awesome. Um, pivoting a little bit. So we know this, but listeners probably don't. Um, you and I uh, work together, or sorry, we work together in support, but even before you know our current uh, roles, we worked at the same nonprofit doing the exact same thing, but at different times. Um, so I'm really curious to hear more about your background. How did you, what were you doing before um, tech and, and how'd you sort of make that, that transition? Yeah, well, I went to uh, undergrad for business. So naturally, when you when you go to undergrad for business, then you go into social work. Um, that's just like a natural career progression. I hope hopefully the sarcasm captures on the recording. But <laughs> I, I ended up working I at, a, at a nonprofit after school, um, started off working in operations, providing direct service to clients. Um, after that, moved into development and fundraising, grant writing, did that for a few years, um, made a transition into the private sector and worked at a medical software consulting firm uh, as a recruiter. And then eventually made my way over to Zendesk, where I've been now for four years. When I came to Zendesk, I didn't have any background in tech. Um, I wasn't even sure if I could do the job as it was entailed, but you don't really know unless you try. So I tried and they haven't gotten rid of me yet. So, (laughs) so yeah, I, I found a good home here. That's awesome. So like this, this kind of like transitions into it then. So you talked about business and whatnot. So there's a lot of stigma around like needing an educational background based in tech. And like, we know that to be unfounded because most in the industry don't possess a degree that correlates with their role. Um, so like you, you went into a little bit of your background, but like, um, can you speak to like education? Like, you know, you, you went from working, getting a business degree and working for a nonprofit. And, and now you're doing, you started in support now, and then you did some HR in there and like recruiting and now you're doing training. Like, can you walk through some of like that, like what your what you think education really comes to from within the tech world? Yeah, I think that in my current role, I um, I have I have learned to become or I've learned to feel really passionate about adult education and particularly empowering individuals to realize their full potential. Now, when it comes to software, I um, I empower my customers to realize their potential in being able to administer their software environment or their software instance. Um, I really love being able to see those aha moments that I have with customers when I explain a concept to a customer. And I also like really tailoring my approach to meet a customer where they're at. Uh, In terms of how I landed in education, again, it was really by chance. I didn't come to the organization that I am working for thinking I definitely want to be a trainer one day. I identified that I wanted to get over my fear of public speaking and landed in education. It was, I think that everything happens at the time it's supposed to happen. And I think I was meant to be a trainer somewhere, somewhere in my destiny. Love it. 
definitely relate to that. I think when I talk about the sort of the things that I like about my job right now, it's sort of going on the ride with the customer to experience that aha moment. Um, And then like the flexibility, I, I always try to to associate it with like working out on a treadmill, just like doing the same motion, not getting anywhere. Like that doesn't do it for me. I want to like have the autonomy to do 17 different things if I want. And if that's what benefits the customer. So totally relate. Um, Your current role as a trainer, tell, tell us a little bit about what you do. So like, what's, what's, what are some of the, the favorite things about your job? Yeah, I would say that um, I would describe my role using like a few key job functions, I guess we could call them. Um, I primarily work with customers in what we know as private training sessions to get them onboarded onto the products that uh, my organization provides. I facilitate and lead full day training workshops. I design content for customers to allow them to train their stakeholders. Uh, And I also partner a lot with learning and development teams at other organizations to validate content that they are building or or creating. Internally, um, I work with other parts of the organization to scope uh, best training solutions for customers. Cool. How long do your relationships last with the customer? So you're training them. Are you just, you know, you're done with that course and then you just don't talk to them again or. And then I exit stage left. Uh, So it really, it really depends. I would say for about 80% of the customers that I work with, I am seeing them for a very short engagement. My part of the engagement is typically only a few hours of time and maybe I'll work with them over the course of a few days on a few different sessions. But after that, I exit stage left uh, and, and don't, Uh, engage with the customer again after that. So in speaking of like, so within the world of CX, so like, you know, we're on a podcast for CX Huddle. Um, CX has like a few different definitions. And I'm kind of curious because like your role, especially because COVID has kind of probably changed things as well. But like, how does your role contribute to like the companies like CX is like the company as a CX org versus like the actual CX from like a customer's experience. Like, can you talk about how your role might influence like the user experience, but then also like your company's like experience for a CX? Can you describe any of that? Yeah, I would say that I would describe my role um, and how this rolls into the CX experience or into CX. I get to be a professional hype person for my company. I get to help customers unlock their full potential of the software's capabilities through really interactive, engaging learning experiences. Awesome. Cool. Um, So we're talking a lot about the things you love and the things that you do and how you interact with customers. So let's say you, you know, you won one of our listeners over. They definitely want to be the next Amanda you. What skills or traits um, do you think are necessary to, to do what you do? I think that if you are going to be a software trainer specifically, um, one of the technical skills you'll need to have is the ability to explain technical concepts in ways that learners can identify with. So again, really meeting customers or clients where they're at. Uh, Typically when I am delivering training, if I recognize that a customer maybe isn't 
following the concept that I am explaining, I always take a step back, meet the customer where they're at, and then I pretend that I am explaining this concept to my dad, um, because my dad is someone who <laughs> you have to explain everything to very patiently and yeah. calmly and kindly. So definitely the, the ability to explain technical concepts in ways that learners identify with. Um, I think that you have to have the ability to bring high energy to really quiet situations. Currently, my method of choice is just getting really jacked up on cold brew prior to walking to a session because you never know what you're going to get until you hop on that training session. Um, I also think that the ability to be transparent, specifically as a software trainer, um, the ability to be transparent with your customers and let them know that you know what you know and you don't know what you don't know, but you can certainly follow up with them after the session wraps. I think those are three, three skills that I would identify. I have a question that kind of goes along with it. Like it's very tried and true for our times and whatnot, but like with COVID, like you're obviously doing a lot of things online probably. And you're, do you think that like, did you do in-person and like, do you want to get back to in-person training or like, do you feel as though like you're going to stay within like more of a virtual realm? Like, can you go into like that a little bit maybe how COVID had impacted and how it will impact the future? Yeah, COVID definitely impacted the way in which we deliver training, uh, where we used to fly on site to go to a customer for one or two days a week. Um, We are now doing all of that virtually over Zoom, sometimes with video on, sometimes video off. Um, I would say what was most largely impacted wasn't my one-to-one customer experiences so much as my one-to-many, which is another type of offering that that my company does. In those experiences, we were typically traveling to a major or to a metropolitan area um, and presenting a full day's worth of content to over a hundred attendees and being able to visually see with my eyes whether or not an attendee is picking up what I'm putting down is very different from how um, how you do things in, in this environment that we are currently in. So what I would say with how we were able to pivot is um, figuring out how to make some of these interactive sessions, which would otherwise be very webinar style, how to make them more interactive, leveraging the different tools that are available to us on uh, different platforms like Zoom, for example. We can leverage breakout rooms and whiteboarding and um, different mechanisms to ensure that learners are staying engaged throughout the entire day. Now, the second part of your question, I'm very long-winded today. The second part of your question was with regards to what this will look like post in a post-COVID world. Um, I do think that there is a time and place for in-person trainings, but I also find that we have been able to make up for a ton of efficiencies through, through COVID. I'm sure that you both have experienced that as well. Time that you would take to commute to the office or to get on a plane and fly to a customer, um, you can now spend at, in your living room, uh, at, on your computer in, in a much shortened period of time. Nice. Love that. Yeah. So Amanda, um, you know that it's, it's very, um, difficult to, find other people of color in tech, in the tech industry. We're getting better for sure. Um, but it's still, you still have to, you know, dust off some shells and look behind some, some stuff to find us. So I'm curious if you have a piece of advice for any person of color, anyone from a marginalized community trying to get into tech, like what would it, what would your piece of advice be? 
My piece of advice would be to just do it and to recognize how valuable your insights are and how valuable uh, your voice at the table is um, to, to really shape the future of the of CX, to shape the future of the, the tech industry. Um, when I came to the organization that I am currently with, I uh, don't think I was able to cross off or check off every single bullet point that was listed in the job description, but I came with a willingness to learn, a general curiosity, um, and that has gotten me really far. Yeah, I think that's great. I also, you know, I would add to that because you, you know, you have been a tremendous help in my, in my career um, in tech. So it's definitely networking played a huge part. Um, Again, although we worked at the same nonprofit, it was at different times. And I think, you know, we could blame it on fate, but, you know, networking was a huge piece of where I am. So yeah, I just, I I just think you're the best. the best too. Daniel, you can be the best as well. (laughs) Yeah, I'll take it. I'll take it. (laughs) Well, Amanda, thank you so much for this. Um, I appreciate, and I know um, I'm sure Dillers appreciates, I'm sure our viewers appreciate the fact that you took the time to come on and really kind of give your insight um, from a stakes perspective, but then also for like working in tech and just like doing what you do. Very insightful. I definitely have learned a lot of different things. Um, I should continue to try to learn and do power poses beforehand. Um, the four, five, six approach of breathing is also something I'm going to take away from this. Um, with that, um, I know that you are on LinkedIn and uh, your information will be on cxhuddle.com once we get this up and published and everything like that. So if anyone out there is interested in connecting with you, they can reach out to you through LinkedIn. Yeah, that's And then, yeah, perfect. And then, um, yeah, thanks so much for being on here. I appreciate it. Um, Dolores, do you have anything? No, just thank you. Thanks, Amanda. Awesome. Thanks for having me.